from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline from the Combine in Indianapolis, not from the luxurious, delicious San Elmo's where everybody seems to hang out in Indianapolis. Darren Gantz joining us from some nondescript conference room somewhere. Are you in Lucas Oil Stadium right now, Darren? What are you doing? Uh, I am in the Indiana Convention Center. Here's the Panthers app for proof of life. <laughs> I, I'm okay. here. Okay. Uh, I am actually in Indiana in a nondescript hallway, which okay. is what this place is love. The and, and, that's why I, and, that, and that's why I wanted to talk to Darren Gantz, Panthers.com, joining us, joining us on the Easter Automotive Group Hotline. There's the combine we see on television. And then there's the nitty-gritty that you are currently involved in. What has what the scene been like this week as you've been uh, following around these QB prospects and Scott Fitterer, mm-hmm. Frank Reich, having talked to the media earlier this week? Right. Beyond the, uh, beyond the 40-yard dashes and all the stuff you'll see on TV this weekend, this place is kind of like a combination between spring break for a bunch of college kids and a multi-level marketing conference. I mean, it's 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 an obscene amount of red meat and bourbon consumed in this city this week uh, by a lot of non-meat people because I was very responsible and I'm here uh, working, uh, mm-hmm. of course. And it's, um, yeah, it's an interesting week. It's a networking event for a lot of reporters and a lot of agents, frankly, too, with, with teams. You can't technically start negotiating with free agents until next week, but perhaps some people ran into each other in these nondescript halls at some point huh. this week and get a little head start on that. Huh, okay. Darren yeah. Gant, Panthers. Oh, yeah. Darren Gant, Panthers.com, joining us here on the Houston Automotive Group Hotline. All right, I, I know you can't tell us any, any kind of inside trade secrets, so let's do it this way. You've done this a long time. You've had a tremendous career. I, I want a win from a player that you saw at the Combine and you said, yeah, he's going to make it. And I want one of your Mike Mamula moments where you saw somebody and you were convinced he was going to make it, and then he did not. Ooh, way, way to put me on the spot. Way to put me on the spot. I have, you know, when when you see quarterbacks throw on air, it's easy to fall in love with those guys. It's easy to say, oh, my gosh, look at this one. This one's going to be amazing. Uh, you know, look at Sam Darnold. He can throw it over the mountain. He, um, you know, I mean, there's certain guys who look good in those situations. And I'm just throwing Sam's name out there um, as a generality rather than specifically. It's just, it, it's so hard because the guys, especially now, I mean, even more than 20 years ago or so when I started coming to this thing, they, they train specifically for this event. So they're geared up like Olympic sprinters to run a 40 yard dash. So it, it's kind of hard to tell when a fast guy is actually fast versus trained for the combine kind of fast. Yeah, and for instance, Brian Burns is an example. The big question on him coming out of Florida State was, can he keep on weight? Well, he yeah. played at 230 at Florida State. He comes to the combine, weighs 252. Six weeks later at Panthers OTAs, he was back down to 229. I was just like, you lost 10% of your body weight in six weeks. That's not how that works. It is if it's a lot of water. <laughs> Darren Gant, Panthers.com, joining us here on the OG. He's in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovias. Uh, like Gilio, not wanting you to trade, uh, spill any trade secrets, I, I understand that Frank Reich, head coach, and Scott Fitterer, the general manager, are not going to give away their game plan for the draft. I, I, yeah. I understand that. And there's a lot of smoke and mirrors about who's interested in what 
Is there going to be a move? Would you trade up to get this QB and everything else? And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but when Frank Reich talked about Derek Carr, he sounded like a guy who was intrigued by a veteran quarterback. And I, I guess the argument that I've been getting into with fans has been, well, they've already done the veteran route before. See how it's worked out for them. But I don't know if Derek Carr counts in that yeah. regard. He's a, he's a better version of Teddy Bridgewater and Sam and all those guys they've rolled through lately, Baker Mayfield. He, he Derek Carr, the reason they're intrigued by Derek Carr is he walks in the door the best quarterback in the division. And by, by a mile, mm -hmm. not by a little bit, by a lot. And so it's natural to think, I think the other thing that's playing into this is they're realistic about what this draft holds. I mean, they're picking ninth, which means they're not in control. And all four of those top guys could be gone by the time they are even on the clock if they sit around and wait at nine. So I think that's why it was interesting to me that they'll even – him and uh, Ryan Confitter both cop to, yeah, we we got to consider trading up if we want to mm -hmm. get in on this action. So I, I think to acknowledge that in such a public forum makes clear what was obvious behind the scenes anyway, which is they'd love to get one of these rookies. They would like to get off the rat wheel – not have to keep recycling veterans through, but they know they might not be able to without paying a premium. So, because there's a lot more teams needing quarterbacks than there are quarterbacks in this first round. So I think it's natural that there's competition and that's going to drive the price up and nobody really wants to get in a bidding war, but that's why Carr is so attractive because you can lock into him now and that's better than not knowing and guessing and, you know, getting to a spot you know, the end of April where the other four guys go before you pick ninth. And then it's like, well, now what do we do? Darren Gant joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. That's Joe Obvious. I'm Joe Giglio. He's at the combine. Darren, is there, if the Panthers stay at nine, is there a, a position that the Panthers would take that would surprise the rest of the world, but that would not surprise you? Um, pass rusher, wide receiver, linebacker, maybe. I, I think those are all areas where, there are a couple of guys in particular who you would look at being in that range. If you can't get the quarterback, if you're not going to be in that business, those are the next things to fill. Mm -hmm. And again, I said that earlier about people walking the halls and having conversations here in Indy. I think by the time they leave this place this weekend, they're going to have a pretty good idea whether they're going to be able to do business or not. They might not be able to say it out loud, might not get done till the end of April, night before the draft or something like that. But I think they at least know that they'll be in the ball game. So then if you see them go out and do free agent quarterback business, you'll know what the price of getting into the top one, three, five picks would have been. So I think in that situation, they probably go and backfield quarterback otherwise. And then you're looking to stack up parts for him. I mean, it's, yeah. you need another wide receiver to go with DJ Moore. You need another pass rusher to go with Brian Burns. And you need the linebackers. I mean, they, they're going to need some stuff on defense regardless. And I think nine's probably a spot where some of those – wide receivers that are going to get talked about this weekend when they do on-field drills is, you know, that's where they're coming into focus. Darren Gant, Panthers.com, joining us here on the OG. He's in Indy for the Combine alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovias. Uh, Jerry Richardson passed away mm -hmm. at the age of 86. Uh, the family released a statement saying it happened peacefully at his home in right. Charlotte uh, earlier in the week. And before you joined Panthers.com, you – you were a beat writer for the Carolina Panthers, yep. uh, going all the way back to the Rock Hill Herald. But 
were you were you around for the first season in 1995 or the, you know when when Jerry was getting this thing ramped up and ready to go yeah I, w- I was around I was in the area working I didn't start full-time in Rock Hill until 97 but I was around covering games there's actually somebody showed me a picture recently that we're never going to put on social media of a very young Darren Gant in the background of a photograph from the first win in franchise history uh Mr. Richardson Jerry uh, the former owner was hugging John Casey in the foreground and in the background. I'm looking around over my shoulder like, hey, what's going on over here, Dad? You know, the way a 23 or 24-year-old Darren gets here. Darren, Darren, uh, Darren, Darren, I have a photo that was published in the paper where the Carolina Hurricanes are celebrating winning the Stanley <laughs> Cup. Eric Stahl's literally drinking from the cup, and I look like a guy who's trying to remember if I left the oven on. <laughs> And that was yeah. in the paper. Yeah. So it's all good. It's all yeah, good. Okay. Well, then I, I feel a little bit okay. less bad about that photograph now. Sure. So of your – look, as with all things, not just NFL owners, but humans, Correct. we're all complicated. Jerry yep. Richardson was complicated. Um, while he's impactful for bringing an NFL team to the area, yep. his exit highlighted the the negative sides of these things. Correct. Um, in your interactions with Richardson, uh, with people that you covered and their interactions with Richardson, how would you, would you say that that complicated type person was true throughout? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, he was a proud man. Uh, he was a man who appreciated the fact that people understood he brought the spectacle to the Carolinas. It meant a lot to him to bring the NFL to the Carolinas. You know, he was born in Fayetteville area, went to college at Wofford, you know, was kind of in two states his whole life. Mm -hmm. He was two states, one team before it was a slogan. And he, he really enjoyed the status that came along with it. And that's why it was so unusual in his latter years after the sale, he, he basically disappeared from public view. And it was unusual because he, he did enjoy being in the middle of it all. He enjoyed creating the middle of it all. I mean, that's yeah. ultimately his legacy is he's the guy who built the thing. And even though there was NBA here at the time in Charlotte, no one thought the NFL could work in the Carolinas and it became a springboard to more stuff, including hockey for you guys uh, down there in that other city in the state. So it's it, it's interesting and, and complicated is absolutely the word that deserves to be used because you weigh the legacy, you weigh what he created, you weigh all the things he's endowed. I mean, you don't have to look around far at Wofford to see something with his name on it because he's left, you know, hundreds of millions, if not more dollars at his alma mater. And so he's made an impact on a lot of people in a lot of places. There were negatives to go along with that, of course. And and later it it became more complicated and changed that legacy. But, you know, I think if if we're adults, we can acknowledge that two things can be true at the same time. I mean, the three people talking on this radio program right now aren't always the same person at work that they are in traffic, that they are in dealing with other people. You try to be, but I, I don't think that's realistic for most human beings. I don't know. Gilio usually goes full Gilio regardless. <laughs> you got to be careful. Yeah. Uh, before we let you go, I, I get confused of, you know, the C.J. Henderson trade, the, the Christian McCaffrey trade, the, the Matt Corral trade. What I know the Panthers picked nine in this draft, but what are their other picks that they have this year? Well, you can read the full list of 2023 Panthers draft picks at <laughs> panthers.com. We've got them compiled in a handy format for easily digestible 
uh, consumption. Uh, they've got some extra stuff after trading Christian McCaffrey and Robbie Anderson in the middle of the year. They're sitting on nine picks at the moment and, and five in the first hundred. That's the, okay. that's kind of the important part here. And, and that gives them that flexibility. So if they need to move up from nine, if they need to do some different things, you know, they got some extra stuff thanks to Christian and they can kind of do um, a little gymnastics and, and get to where they need to be if they need to, or they can stack up, you know, again, having five picks in the first five rounds, I uh, shouldn't have said five in the first hundred, five in the first five rounds. Um, see, that was my mistake. People can be fallible. Um, you got it on tape. Um, with five picks in the first five rounds, you, you've got the opportunity to make moves and do things. So, Darren Gant. Panthers.com. Appreciate yeah. it, man. Uh, he's go, very, go he's very tired. I apologize for that mistake, it, but I'm fine. very, very tired. And there's I, 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 see, I don't think it's tired. Sleep wouldn't fix. I know, I know it'll fix it. A Long Island iced tea at Kilroy's. Just go do it, Darren. Let's go. <laughs> so, still on the clock, but it's early. <laughs> we won't tell. All right. Take, All right, take it easy, man. Big thanks to Darren Gann. Uh, for those who are wondering, wait, what, what, what do you mean a Long Island iced tea at Kilroy's? For those who have never been to Indianapolis, there is a bar called Kilroy's. And they serve up these variations on Long Island iced teas, and they give it to you in a mini pitcher. Have you been to Kilroy's, Joe? The St. Elmo's Fire? No, that St. Elmo's is the state. St. St. Elmo is the steakhouse. No, I've never been to Kilroy's then. Kilroy's is like a bar where you get wasted. Okay. And they give you these Long Island iced teas. I've only been to Indianapolis once, okay. and it was for an arena football game, and I was there by myself. <laughs> That's the reason why you went to Indy? Yeah, remember, I didn't cover Carolina or Duke when they were making these regular right, yeah, NCAA yeah, tournament yeah, stops yeah. and Final Fours and all those other things. So, so. But you've been to San Elmo then when you were there? I, I did, what yes. Did you, what did you think? This is the steakhouse. It's very, yeah. very famous. Oh, it was great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. Adam Gold and I went to the Final Four there in 2010 and 2015. And I think each time we ended up going to San Elmo, the trick is just go to the bar. You can't get a reservation. That's, that's, where, that's how I did it. But if you get to the bar, you're good. And you know what? Steak was legit. I did not have the shrimp, though, even though everyone told Dude, me it's I not, did not have it. It's not the shrimp. It's the shrimp cocktail. Yeah. Or the, the cocktail sauce. Yeah. Which is pure horseradish. And like I said, I want to import that stuff. Here now that the pollen's out, oh. because if I'm trying to fight off a sinus infection, I know it'll clear it out. S Sullivan's used to have really good horseradish sauce. Yeah, yeah. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, Game Theory on HBO, new episode tonight. Bomani Jones, Bo, what's up, man? All good, man. How about you? If you're Carolina, you take an NIT. If they, if it comes to that, um. They got to. Like, I, I don't. I don't feel like they're above it. No, I just don't. it's not like I haven't seen them play in the NIT before. Well, see, okay, you you bring it up 2010, and I and I got into a debate. Well, and and 03, they played in the NIT in 03. But uh, 10, 10 made sense to no, me. Nothing that happened under Matt Darty still. We can yeah, we can't talk about that, Scott, but we don't. That's Scott, not a thing, Scott. Not a thing. No, but 2010 made, you. 20, 2010 made sense to me. It was a transitional year. You you play it, a it's Roy b it's a transitional year where you're giving quality postseason minutes to guys who were you're building towards the next thing. That's not what this group was about, man. Armando Baycott, R.J. Davis, Caleb Love they ain't here to play the NIT. Okay, if I'm a Carolina fan, I don't want them to play anything other than the NCAA tournament. 
Yeah, I guess I guess I could see this from a few different directions. The only thing that does happen though to those big time teams and they go play in the NIT is the team they play against in the first round of the NIT really wants to beat them and they don't want to be in the NIT. Like I think I did Kentucky lose to like Robert Morris, Robert Morris. or something like that yep. that year they went to yep. the NIT. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And Cal um, now they're bringing it up because everybody's over Cal at Kentucky these days. They're so over him. <laughs> They're so over him. The the thing with him, man, it doesn't play if you don't win a lot. Mm-hmm. Like his whole steez with that base only works if you win a lot. And he hasn't won a lot in a long time. I mean, you know you've lost when the AD is going to bat for the football coach and the football program. <laughs> that, like, I never, never would have imagined that in my lifetime. But it happened but this it might be, But it might be right back to all good next year because apparently they're bringing in some boys. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, man, I, I really wanted to start the conversation uh, with revisiting your Jake <laughs> Paul interview on Game Theory a couple of weeks ago, and it went viral. And um, you you simply asked him a legit question. What happens if you lose? And he lost his mind, and it went viral. Well, guess what happened this weekend, Bo? He lost. And I'm sure I sent it to you. I'm sure a bunch of people sent it to you. Uh, one of the great memes of the weekend where it was you laughing, ghostly image in the background with Jake Paul clearly upset. How is how is this week gone? Have have Jake Paul's people reached out to you? How's this week gone? Yeah, they <laughs> no, they ain't do nothing like that. It was just funny. Like I don't have any like real investment in Jake Paul, but I do think the most interesting thing that I found out is that there was a rematch clause in that contract, which is pretty interesting. When the man told me that he doesn't think about losing, huh. there's a loser mentality to be prepared for a loss. Yet hmm. somebody put it in that paperwork. See, the thing Jake Paul misunderstood about me was I ain't thinking about him as being no damn boxer. I thought I was talking to a businessman, but I guess he don't think he a businessman either. He really thought he was a fighter, and he went out there and got whopped. I guess that was my only disappointment is that he didn't get knocked out. Yeah. Oh, no, sometimes it's even better this when you got to stand out there with all the bruises and things on your on your face. I mean, there's a chance for him to come out and get knocked out the next time. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think the surprise was that he won as much as he did. And I think that's what you were genuinely trying to convey to him. Like, you have su- you have surprised people. You've kind of yeah, shocked people. Yeah, surprise. Because you get dismissed as a YouTube star, right? And I do think he was more functional than a lot of people in general thought he would be. I thought your question was legitimate. Like, okay, now what does happen if you lose? And now I guess we will get the answer. And that answer is probably a rematch. And probably he makes some more money. But that's... That's why the world works the way that it yeah. does. Yeah, well, this is my question. How many fights can he lose before we stop caring? Because, okay, I am not intimating that he is of the same caliber of athlete as Ronda Rousey, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. But we developed a level of interest in a wing of fighting that we really had never cared about before, and it was all about her. We mm-hmm. didn't learn about any other female MMA fighters really as a result, right? Like you people who really follow MMA, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about to the general audience, right? You knew who Ronda Rousey was. You ain't know nothing else. Ronda Rousey took two L's. She was done and we was done. Yeah. She, like, she took two L's and I believe her next move was to go start wrestling. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. WWE, yeah. Right, some and money. so when people aren't, truly invested in you as an athlete i think people were invested in rousey as like an avatar for a lot of larger issues but i question whether they were truly interested in her as an athlete 
once you take a couple L's, then all that other side stuff doesn't yeah. matter anymore. But Monty Jones, Game Theory is on HBO. You can watch that uh, on demand, which I like. That's very nice because you know I don't stay up late, Bo. Yeah, Catch him on ESPN. The right time is the podcast. Saturday morning and coffee. That's <laughs> the move. Speaking of taking L's, I'm curious on your take on Kevin Durant now that he's played for the Phoenix Suns. I'm not going to get into the, the carcass of the Nets. I think we've covered that on, on previous episodes. But he, he get, I think he got smart, and then he went over to the Western Conference, which in my opinion is wide open this year because I do think Milwaukee and Boston are the two best teams in the NBA. H how does this play out for Kevin Durant? And I know we're already getting into legacy questions, but mm. does it help him if he wins this one? Because he would be dragging – Chris Paul, who does seem to be, uh, he's not an NC State person, but man, he has been vexed like like no other Wolfpack thing I've ever seen. I think he'd actually transferred when it he must hit have Julius Hodge. Because that's what happened. <laughs> I feel like he would get some credit, though, no? If oh, he no, wins this thing with the Suns? He'd absolutely get some credit. And actually, in a sentence that no one could have ever imagined in 2005 or 2006, I was texting with J.J. Reddick this week. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I, made, I made the point to him because he don't really reply that much to me. Uh, but okay. I made the point to him that he was, we were talking about the Charles Barkley thing and like the whole bus driver argument. And the question I have for Charles about that is, so is it Dr. J or Moses Malone that doesn't get credit for a championship from the old heads about the 83 Sixers, right? Because if only one of them could drive the bus... And, you know, like, did Doc, right, did Dr. J not count? Like, how maybe it's different yeah. because uh, the Warriors had already won a title. But the truth is, Kevin Durant was the Moses Malone on that team. That team, after 2016, needed another scorer, and they just happened to be able to get the best, best one scorer. on earth. Yep. Right? Okay, that's what they did. Well, in this case with Phoenix, I think he would get that Moses Malone credit for being the final piece for a team that had gone to the finals and did not win it, right? He would get that credit as being the guy that takes them over the top because the truth is we still don't think of Devin Booker as being on the same caliber of player as Kevin Durant. We did think of Steph Curry as being on that level, and that's what made, I think, things weird for a lot of people in their interpretation. But Monty Jones, Game Theory, HBO, ESPN, Right Time is the podcast. Yeah, you're, you are taking me back with the J.J. I feel, you know, the J.J. Reddick thing now gets me in the as I'm scrolling your timeline to see if there's any other things that I might have missed. You're doing a podcast with Torre, too. I'm going, is there anybody else from back in the day that you're you're now communicating with? <laughs> to be fair, I never had beef with J.J. Reddick. I, I know, I know, I know. To that be is fair. true. It's, it's probably Maybe literally not specifically, all of the rest. It was on two guys. No, no, like, I, I no, the beef. Avatar. no. I had no beef with him whatsoever. <laughs> It was literally all the rest of them. <laughs> right. Okay. Except for maybe like Cherokee Parks. He was okay with me. Okay. So, all right. See, the okay with you part. So, there, I, uh, like I like I typically do, like I typically do in the mornings, I, I'll fire up Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max uh, just to kind of get a sense of, all right, what's, what am I not talking about today? Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to talk about that. Um, and they were talking about Draymond Green's recent podcast where he talked about European players, white players do not get the same level of scrutiny as black American players when it comes to NBA legacies and forcing to win titles and everything else. Like we are, we obsess over Kevin Durant, who's the bus driver. Yet there is a group of very talented European white players who do not get that same scrutiny. And I, what I found fascinating is that Keyshawn, I'm not asking you to speak on Keyshawn, but it was more of the attitude of, 
some people you don't recognize they are a European player. And he brought up Dirk Nowitzki. He's like, I'll be. It's like they're talking about guys, you know, one titles, blah 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 blah. And he just goes, Well, Dirk, this is Keyshawn. I'm paraphrasing. He's like, Well, I didn't rock with Dirk like that. I never realized he was a European guy. The Dirk that I knew, talking about his days in Dallas, I never thought about that. So what? How does? How do we balance this? What do we? How do you balance Draymond's point about how we talk about certain players and legacies? All right. So first of all. I don't know what the hell Keyshawn talking about on that one. Okay, like, and, he, and he never heard Dirk talk before, oh, I, right? I, I, like, it, he was intimating yeah, that in the club, yeah, Dirk. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, possible. Dirk did. Dirk is an NBA player, right? Like, I okay. totally imagine that. But at the same time, wow, that's a shocker. That being said, Rodney Harrison did say he didn't know Colin Kaepernick was black. So, and he didn't. He he really didn't. Right. My thing with Draymond, as he says that, is he does – what's the counterfactual, mm-hmm. right? Like, so who is the European superstar caliber player who did not get pressed about not winning a ring? Because if your answer is Dirk Nowitzki, you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, we pressed the hell out of Dirk. It yeah. just happened that he got the ring at a point where we had given up on the very idea. Right. Right. But we pressed him when they lost 2-0 in 06. We pressed him when they lost in the first rounds in 07, 08, and 09. There hasn't been a European player that I could think of before really just these two guys, right? Yeah, Jokic, Jokic and, 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 uh, and Doncic. Okay, but... There is a love Do- affair with... Yeah, with yeah, yeah, but hold on. No, no, yeah. no, but hold on, though. There's, I mean, I, don't get me started on that part, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's only in, what, his fifth year in the NBA or something like that? Yeah, that's not the Yeah, that's not the point at which we start squeezing you. Jokic did not become a player that people paid attention to really until like the year before he won the MVP. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't win something this year with them having the best record in the West, I do think that the squeeze is going to begin. But I mean, it is, I, you're never going to have to like really work hard to get me to convince that white people um, operate with less scrutiny than everybody else. Don't get me wrong. However, I don't think you had the examples in place here to make that point. Yeah. Well, it's funny. We'll, we'll close on this because um, I feel like this is uh, this is another possible game theory segment that you can do because what well, was it was it last season or this season you were talking about uh, the athleticism of quarterbacks and now you've got white athletic quarterbacks and yeah. you're letting it cook and meanwhile you got C.J. Stroud that's going on at the combine this week we've been in, in, we've been very involved with the combine because the Panthers are obsessing over quarterback and you you pointed this out that C.J. Stroud is getting knocked for his inability to run. Which oh, is even though he ran in the playoff game against Georgia's defense when he had to. when he had to, it, but that, this that is was now the game a, I was most impressed. This is now with. a thing. Hey, this is now a it, thing. Hey, here's here's what we need to do, man. Because you know the TV is. I mean, the combine is now made for TV. Event, it is. Yeah. You know what I mean. I feel like they need to combine the combine a little bit with pros versus Joe's and let like regular people <laughs> participate in the combine. And I don't really want that. So that like we can see regular people run the forty yard dash or anything like that. No, I want it so that we can get a bunch of white people on the field and watch them move some goalposts. Mm-hmm. I want to see like just how hard it is for people to bend their knees, squat, pick up some goalposts, and move them somewhere else. Because the thing about Stroud is, and this is the thing about the discussion about athleticism, the yeah. requirement at this point is not that you be able to run. Right, it's not that you got to be able to pick up five, six hundred yards a year on the ground. It's that you've got to be athletic. You got to be able to move. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And 
there was nothing for watching C.J. Stroud in college that said, oh, I don't think that guy can move. Right. That's- you know, and that's why this is so crazy that the first time this has become an issue, all these slow white dudes that we done had out here in these streets, and now one person was like, hey, man, so you can't really run. What, what, what do you do now? Like, suddenly people get enlightenment about athleticism and quarterbacks, and it then moves to scrutinizing C.J. Stroud. Can people appreciate the absurdity of this idea? Do you know who the quarterback actually who is not that athletic is? Um, are you going to go with Anthony Richardson or Bryce Young? No, Bryce Young. Well, he is Drew Brees. That's who he is. Yeah, but he can move a lot better than Drew Brees can. Because I'm like, Drew I, Brees I can say move Anthony in the pocket Richardson. in his prime. In his prime, yeah, no, when but, he was young but Bryce, like that. But Bryce Young can also run some zone read if you need him to. The problem is you can't do anything power oriented. Like you can't run any of the Jalen Hurts type of stuff he was not a runner um, at alabama it, but i will say because he was ex- ex- unbelievably accurate and he had an unbelievable yes. grasp on what nick saban was trying to do right that, but well, i'm not the, gonna knock him you can't knock no. him for that but i'm just saying no. when you when you look at the alabama game the alabama georgia playoff game went now in fairness to bryce young he did not have his weapons in that game but he was not able to move and create on the move the way that C.J. Yeah, Stroud okay, I, I was in the playoff right. game. Because what people don't understand about Georgia's defense is they bear down on you. That is like yeah. an NFL experience. And that's why I believe in C.J. Stroud. And it's it's kind of sort of why I don't believe in Bryce Young. Yeah, I see what you're saying now when you talk about athleticism in that way. Yeah. Or, you know, because I think I, – I, I do not think of him as being at an athletic deficit, and I felt like I saw enough where he wasn't like yeah. a runner, but if you needed to like pick up a third down, he could do something like that. But when you put it in those terms – yeah, you're right about that. That wasn't the issue there with Stroud. Now, I, I don't know. We haven't talked about this here. I can't wait to see who rolls the dice on Anthony Richardson. Um, somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to do it really early. early yes. <laughs> and it might pay off big, big, big time. Or it's going to get you fired. He is Josh Allen. There's no other. <laughs> except he's what if Josh Allen was actually more refined but somehow less accurate coming out of college sorry my my brain went to uh the what if scenario if Jameis winston was coming out now and how we talk about things i mean the the man did run like he had flippers on back in the day yeah see see that's the thing man it ain't it ain't just enough to be able to move you gotta look good while you do it right like 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 like, man tell you man them standards dog them standards is absurd (laughs) but that being said somebody might want to give daniel jones 40 million dollars a year and ain't and and somehow he ran for like 700 yards in a season in college and nobody knew he was fast sneaky fast sneaky fast (laughs) sneaky fast we 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 saw it we saw it all right but appreciate it man we'll talk to you next week you didn't see it. Y'all ain't watching no Duke football. I was Take at, it no, 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 no. I was at, no, you, I watched too much damn Duke football for you to say oh, I did not watch know what, Duke football. You know what? That's fair. That's fair. Because by, <laughs> by the time I left, you did have to watch it to talk about it at work. <laughs> it never came up when I was there. No, there's no reason to. But I went to Charlotte for a championship game That's, for heaven's sake because of Duke. I, for, I forgot right. that that okay. happened 10 years ago. You're right. All right, bro. We'll talk to you next week. All right, no. It's the OG. I'm sorry. <laughs> I spent too much time at Wallace <laughs> Wade to be told you ain't watching Duke football. Wrong. <laughs> 
Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity.